I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 147, in which we talk scraps and spas and shape cuts. And I'm recording this on Sunday, February 23rd, 2014. Um, I am once again recording on my telephone and hoping, I'm sorry, my cell phone, and I'm hoping that I've got enough power left on my cell because somehow I forgot to put it on the charger overnight, so I'm running a little bit low. Um, I am still testing out podcast recording software to see if there's one that just really I can fall in love with. Um, I am using Audacity. Meanwhile, I used, like I said in my last episode, I used Audacity for years. I just don't, I'm not in love with the interface. Um, so I'm just kind of testing out some other stuff. I, I really liked my old software, and unfortunately, it's just not supported anymore. It's, it's pretty much non-existent. Um, so anyway... Back to my usual introduction, I want to say thank you for listening. Welcome to listening to Quilting for the Rest of Us. Um, I will put the uh, beginning and ending, my usual stuff, on the beginning and end of this uh, podcast because I do have those files and I'm able to do that in Audacity. So this one will be a little more polished than the last episode. Um, again, thank you for listening and uh, thank you if you've left reviews on iTunes. I have not checked recently, so I don't know, but all of us podcasters really appreciate it when you do that. So thanks so much. Um, I'm going to start with one announcement and then I do actually have a bunch of Sandy update. And then uh, for today's official content, I'm going to talk about a ruler. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give a very short review of a great courses lecture that I just recently finished a couple of apps, and then we'll do some listener feedback. Um, my announcement for this episode, first of all, is that for those of you who have joined in the 2014 Quilty resolutions, like we talked about in the last episode, I am going to do the first quarter check-in at the end of this week. I'm, I'm going to set something up on my blog that will open on March 1st, and I'll probably keep it open for about a week because there will be a giveaway involved. So um, based, you know, you will, the usual thing, when you leave a comment to respond to the question, uh, you will get automatically entered into the, um, I'm sorry, you won't get automatically entered. You have to leave a comment and then you have to go into Rafflecopter and tell me you've left a comment. That's how you get entered into the uh, giveaway. So all of that information will be on my blog when I do actually get that posted. If you didn't participate in my 2014 Quilty Resolutions um, giveaway, you can still play along with the check-ins. Uh, you just have to let me know what your resolutions, quilt-related resolutions were and how you're doing so far. So this is, I'm doing this to kind of encourage us all to stay on track with our resolutions. I'm very pleased that so far so good for me. Um, again, most of my resolutions had to do with uh, Craftsy and I've been doing very well at Craftsy. I will need to go back and refresh my memory as to what my other resolutions were. Um, but I believe they all kind of ended up coming back to Craftsy in the long run. I remember I did also have one on machine quilting, which I started out strong. I've kind of slacked off on that. So I need to pick that one back up. And frankly, offhand, I don't remember what my third one was, so I'm going to have to go back and look at that again. Uh, but again, check my blog, um, which is different from the show notes to this episode. Remember, I've got two different things going on my website. My blog uh, will have the giveaway on it towards the end of this week, or officially March 1st, which, if I recall, is Saturday? Might be Friday. Don't remember. But just think March 1, there will be something for you on my blog to check into. And again, even if you didn't participate in my 2014 Quilty Resolutions, but you have your own goals for 2014 uh, Quilty-wise, again, you can enter in. Just uh, you'll see all the information on the uh, on the blog. And I will make sure that I put a link to the 2014 Quilty Giveaway Spreadsheet in the blog entry as well, um, or maybe even in this the show notes this episode, or in both places, so that you can check up on yourself if you also have forgotten what you said your resolutions were. Um, so that's the announcement, my first quarter check-in. I'm looking forward to doing that. 
Um, Sandy update. I want to begin by saying, first of all, thank you to everyone who um, offered thoughts and prayers this week for my friend who lost her husband rather unexpectedly. I believe I mentioned this in the last episode. Um, he did pass away on Monday night, wee hours of the morning, Tuesday morning. Um, I did the funeral. It was on Friday. So pretty much all of last week was taken up for me with that. Uh, when I wasn't actually with the family, I was doing some funeral prep um, at home and working on the service and um, words of meditation, that kind of thing. So really it did pretty much take all of my mental and emotional energy last week. So I got very little else done. Um, I was so honored and privileged to be able to be with my friend in that way uh, for the week. I did have the foresight, foresight to take Friday as a vacation day, even though the funeral was in the morning and technically I could have come back and gone back to work. I knew I wasn't going to be in the mental place to do that. Uh, so I did take Friday as a vacation day um, when I got home and after lunch, did a little bit of cleaning. And cleaning is a wonderful thing to sort of help yourself regroup and kind of get back to a sense of space and time and all that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, took a nap, needed a nap. <laughs> so I took a nap. And after that, then I was able to get a little bit of sewing done um, Friday evening, not a lot. My husband was supposed to get home Friday around 530 from being gone all week for work and ended up with his flight getting canceled and he had to rent a car and drive six hours home. Um, he was exhausted and he walked in the door around no, it was probably 1130 at night, I think, when he finally got home Friday. So Saturday, we had decided we were going to take any easy anyway. Um, we did have a, a friend of our family who is a handyman contractor kind of guy, really, really good at what he does. We had asked him to come over this weekend and fix our kitchen sink, which essentially meant the kitchen was off limits all day Saturday. Gee, I didn't have to cook. <laughs> so we ended up ordering a pizza Saturday night. Um and we thought he was going to be here quite a bit of today as well, but he actually finished up by about 10, 30, 11 o'clock this morning. So now we've got more of the day than we thought we did. So I thought I, my husband decided he'd get off to the gym and I thought, well, nobody's in the house. I'm going to take this opportunity to record a podcast. Uh, so that's been nice. And now we will actually be able to cook again for dinner tonight. Um, today is my daughter's 21st birthday. My baby girl is 21, not that I have aged a day myself. Our kids get older, we don't. Um, however, she is away at school. And so although I called and sang to her on her voicemail this morning, she wasn't answering her phone quite yet. Um, I guess she called back and talked to my husband while I was out of the house running errands this morning. Uh, I have not actually talked to her yet. I'm gonna, I talked to her last night and I'm going to talk to her again later today. Uh, but she decided this year that she wasn't going to come home for her birthday. She usually does, but this year she decided she wanted to stay on campus with her friends. Go figure. Uh, so she's coming home next weekend instead. And we've got a whole weekend of events planned. Um, she's going to get home probably around mid-afternoon Friday. So she has asked me um, she would like for her birthday dinner to have tacos. <laughs> she really misses tacos. And she's a vegetarian, but she makes her tacos with the uh, soy crumbles. And, you know, I'm a carnivore, so I make mine with regular meat. Um, so, you know, I'm like, okay, I can handle making tacos. And then Saturday morning, she and I are having a mother-daughter spa day, because unfortunately, my husband, when he travels for work, usually isn't away for the weekend. He's usually home for weekends, but this time, he's away for the weekend, and he it was killing him that he's not going to be around to celebrate my daughter's birthday, but that meant my daughter and I are just doing girl stuff, so we're having a spa day in the morning. We're getting manicures, pedicures, and facials, and then I'm going to take her out to lunch, and then that night, we're having a pizza party for both sides of the family. Um, I decided not to make dinner again because I don't really know what time I'm going to be home in the afternoon. So um, we're having a, a pizza party and um, then the young guns, as we call them, will take her out. She is not the youngest of the cousins, but she's one of the younger ones. There's two that are younger than her here in this state. Um, and one is only a month younger than her. She and one of her cousins have basically kind of grown up as twins because their birthdays are only a month apart. Um, and then there's one cousin younger than that by about a year and a half. So the old, all the older cousins and my son will be taking her out, but I'll be staying home that night. And um, I actually offered to babysit my grandniece so that my niece and her husband could go out with the gang if they wanted to. So um, 
I may get to have some baby cuddles on Saturday night, or I might have to fight my sister for her. <laughs> my sister absolutely loves being a grandmother. Um, but she also does live, the my niece and her husband and the baby live with my sister and brother-in-law. So, you know, she gets her baby cuddles in all the time. Don't you think she should share? Shouldn't I be able to get some baby cuddles in once in a while? So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, that does mean I'm probably not going to get any sewing done until maybe Sunday afternoon. And I've got a bunch of conference call, evening conference calls this week. And then my other sister is coming in from out of town and staying at my house so she can go out and see the baby one of the days um, that she's going to be here. So I don't predict this is going to be a highly productive week quilt-wise, but that's okay. I can live with that. Um, I did actually get, well, I won't talk, let me wait for a moment. I do have one small comment to make in regards to a Twitter conversation that happened earlier this week. Um, I had made I had posted one of my poem-a-days things that I've been doing, talked about that on an earlier podcast a while back, and um, it was one of the pictures I had taken while I was in actually on the beach in Hilton Head uh, a couple of weeks ago, and made the comment that this is probably going to turn out to be one of my favorite pics of 2014, but that I wasn't going to quite make that judgment yet because I do have a trip coming up, and so some people were saying, what, what trip? And I haven't mentioned this yet, but there are plans in the works that next December I will be going back to Burma, a.k.a. Myanmar. Um, I was there in 1998 with my father, and that's kind of a long story what we're, why we're there and what we're doing. Uh, but we were up in the Kachin state, which is far north, and the Kachin is one of the ethnic groups of Burma. And then in 2008... I was um, I was able to travel to Thailand to the uh, refugee camps for people from Burma who was were escaping Burma and all the refugee camps are along the Thai Burma border, and so I went as part of a um, delegation from my denomination to visit um, folks in the refugee camps to learn more about the whole process of resettlement and such. And I won't go into that's a whole long presentation I used to do that took about an hour. So I'm not going to go into all that information now. But um, there's a lot of very strong connections in my denomination with people from Burma. And um, one of my good friends here uh, in my hometown is originally from Burma. She has now been in this country about 20 years and she is, um, is now a U.S. citizen. But she has been working with a lot of the, the refugees from Burma who have resettled back here. And she periodically goes back to visit family in Burma. And she has offered to um, be sort of a guide for several. She, well, every time she goes back, since she and I have become close friends, she keeps asking me to go back with her. And it just has not worked out yet. Uh, but next December, I'm definitely going to be going with her, as well as, I believe, two or three other people from our church. My husband might go, but he's not entirely sure yet whether he can work it out because of stuff he's got going on with work during that time period. So that we're still playing a little bit by ear. Um, but I'm really, really excited about that trip. I don't know yet exactly how long I'll be there. It will, it probably, the minimum would be about two weeks. It might be as long as three. So that's all still being worked out. Um, but definitely, you know, photo ops galore while I'm there too. So, you know, I'm, I'm not quite saying what my favorite picture of 2014 is going to be yet until that trip is completed. And then I will make some judgments. Um, so that was, those of you who are on Twitter with me and talking about that, that's the trip I was talking about, is that, yes, indeed, I will be going to Burma next December. Um, okay. Sandy update quilty-wise. Uh, Scrapitude, I am thrilled to report I do have all of the blocks and setting triangles and everything put together. I would say I have the top entirely pieced, except I do have borders to put on there. Um, once I put the center together and looked at it, I decided I really did want borders on it. I'd kind of left that up in the air. When I did um, Easy Street, Bonnie Hunter's mystery quilt last year, I ultimately decided not to put borders on it. It was plenty big enough, and I kind of liked the way it ended around the outside. And this actually does kind of end around the outside. It looks very similar um, on that outer rim, as you would say, as Easy Street was. Lots of half-square triangles which does mean a lot of bias edges along the outside. But the way I handled that with Easy Street is, of course, I just um, did like a basting stitch around the outside before I sent it off to the long armor to help keep it steady as she loaded it on the machine. Um, but as I looked at this one, I thought, you know, I really do want to put a border on it. I could use it to be just a hair bigger. 
I think mine finished to something like 77 inch square or something along those lines, which is a generous twin size. Um, it's going to be a little bit shy of the queen size for our bed, partly because we have a large, um, a tall mattress. And I haven't quite decided what room this one's going to end up in. So I decided, you know, I'm going to throw a couple of borders on it. It's always easier to have one that's a little bit too big for a bed than one that's too small for a bed. Um, I did have some problems with this with uh, this quilt, not in the design at all. This was purely user error, and it has to do with something I'm going to be talking about in the content, a review I'm going to be giving of a particular ruler. Um, I ended up losing a whole lot of points, and my sashing strips are off at the outside edges because I ended up having to trim things down to even them up in such a way that my setting triangles and my blocks didn't end up quite being the right size. So anyway, everything um, just got shifted off a little bit. So there's a lot of, you know, for those of us who know what to look for, there's a lot of errors in this quilt. Um, that being said, my husband really likes it. And I have to say, I love my muggle. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, he didn't notice any of that until I was pointing it out. Well, this is what's really frustrating me. Da, 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 da. And he's like, you know what? I did not see any of that until you pointed it out. And he said, even though you've pointed it out now, it does not bother me at, at all. I'm like, you're such a cute muggle. I love muggles. <laughs> now, I, I will say I love my muggle, even if he is a stinking traditionalist. He really likes traditional quilts with any like scrappy quilts. Um, he kind of, you know, is that sort of old school... <laughs> He's a throwback, but um, so he likes my traditional stuff better than he likes my art stuff. He He's very polite um, about my art stuff, but I can tell it just doesn't really float his boat. So, you know, every now and then I make a traditional quilt to keep him happy. <laughs> but in any case, um, I did decide to go with borders, partly because of the bias edges all along, along the outside. And plus, I decided if I have a really great border on there, it'll just kind of help detract from people seeing all of the issues <laughs> that are on the inside. I did, um, there are some places where I decided to prioritize certain points meeting over other points meeting. So when you really look at the inside of the quilt, yeah, I mean, those of us who are quilters will notice that there's some points missing, but there's also some points there, so that's okay. Um, but there are places like where the cornerstones come together and the sashings in the center of the quilt, generally speaking, those meet perfectly. It's when you get to the outside, stuff kind of got pushed to the outside that there's issues. Um, but in any case, like I said, my husband is very happy with it and, you know, okay, I can live with it. Um, I do love the design and I love the way it turned out and I did a darn good job keeping this puppy scrappy 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 because when I decided to to get a border fabric and was looking at this to see if there was a dominant color there is no single dominant color it is pure out scrappy um, now one would think that would make it easy to uh, find a border fabric because then you can basically choose any color you want to, to emphasize but I really, I was still trying to avoid making it feel like a particular color quilt. I wanted it to be very flexible in terms of whatever room it might end up on and whatever paint color happens to be on the walls and that kind of thing. So I, I did buzz out quickly enough yesterday afternoon to get to one of our local quilt shops on the other side of town before it actually closed. Um, and I was looking for, I had in my head, if I could find a great floral print that had like every color in the rainbow in it, then I'd be good. And I thought, you know, a nice floral would um, be a nice counterpoint to the kind of pointiness of the, <laughs> the, the scrapitude blocks and the setting triangles and everything. Um, but I wasn't finding anything. And, and the quilt shop I was at is one of our bigger ones in town. So I was like, well, if I can't find it here, I'm, you know, I don't really want to take the time to go to 15 other quilt shops over the next few weeks. I'd kind of like to find something now. Um, and wasn't finding what I wanted. And so one of the quilt shop clerks came over, um, you know, how they love to help <laughs> find colors. And, and as I've talked about in previous episodes, sometimes a little bit nervous about doing that because, you know, it's a personal taste thing. Um, but she started pulling stuff. She was a very, very nice woman, did not seem to have anything emotionally invested in this process, but she was having fun, you know, finding different bolts on the, I described to her kind of what I wanted. And 
she just started pulling bolts off the shelf and once she brought over I had looked at on the shelf but kind of discounted it because although it had a lot of the colors in it that I thought would work well and it had a background color I thought would work well um, it was far more geometric than I had thought plus it's one of those um, it's kind of an Australian style you know the the aboriginal designs and I was like, well, you know, this is kind of a traditional scrappy quilt. I don't know if that would go with it. Well, she brought it off the shelf and we flipped out the fabric, you know, long enough to kind of lay along one edge of um, the quilt. And we both kind of stopped and looked at it and went, oh, and <laughs> it really, really worked, really worked well. It's very different from anything I would have expected to use, um, but that's okay. And, and I like different. You know, I, I like something that's a little bit unexpected, but really works well. So I did end up buying this fabric. Now, the reason I did debate it for a long time, because it's, I mean, long time, relatively speaking, probably 10, 15 minutes, um, because it is very directional. And because it has a certain motif that I want to capture in the border, that meant I had to, we had to sit there and redo the math for how much of this I needed, because it's a wider motif than what I had thought I was going to be getting a border fabric for. Um, plus I think it's going to be a little bit tricky to figure out how to match it up in the corners and how to size it so I'm not lopping off part of a motif, that kind of thing. So I really debated, do I really want to get myself into this? <laughs> and then I decided I'm just being mentally lazy. I have to do it. This, this fabric would be great. Um, so I did go, end up going with that fabric. I'm not going to post any pictures of it now because if I really mess this up and if I end up not being able to get any of this to work, um, yeah, I'm going to cut myself slack and go buy a different fabric, <laughs> but I would like to try to make this work. Um, so anyway, I, I was joking with the, the woman when, you know, she took the bolt over to cut the fabric I needed. And, um, you know, she said, I, I really, I really think, and a couple of other people came over and looked at it and said, wow, that's unexpected, but it really works. <laughs> We're like, yeah, this is great. So I said to her, you know, I was thanking her again for her help. And I said, now, mind you, I might be cussing you out royally tomorrow <laughs> trying to cut this out and she's like that's okay I can handle it <laughs> so um I'm, I'm looking forward to it I do hope I can get it to work but that means I'm sort of hesitant to get myself into the process because I think it's going to be painful um I'm not I'm not really good at mathing out things m-a-t-h-i-n-g um, I draw a lot of stuff out and of course I put stuff up on the design wall and kind of figure it out that way I tend to lay something out and cut it accordingly rather than trying to measure and do it by the math. I like to visualize what I'm actually doing. So I'm just going to have to play that a little bit by ear. Um, I am going to be sending this out to a long armor. So all I need to do is get these borders on it and then I can um, take it to the place where I get my long arming done normally um, and drop it off. So I will probably have it done completely I think they're running about three to four weeks. The last one I dropped off took about three to four weeks now that we're past the holidays. Um, so I'm hoping to have it done maybe um, shortly after I get back from Lancaster so that I can put the bindings on it. I would love to be able to have it completely done, ready for my guild show and tell in April. So that's Scrapitude. I was um, really glad to get that all done. That was yesterday because <laughs> the part of the reason I got it done was because we had this guy in our house um, fixing the kitchen sink. So a lot of the things I would normally do on Saturdays somehow involve the kitchen. I'm either getting groceries and putting them away or I'm doing kind of food prep for the rest of the week. I tend to do a lot of that on Saturday and couldn't do any of it. And we were trying to keep the dogs out of his way um, because they do like to be friends. <laughs> so I could just picture him laying on his back under the sink with two dog faces poked right in there watching what's going on. So the easiest way to keep them entertained and keep them from getting lonely, but keep them out of the way was to keep them in my sewing room. So gee, I ended up, you know, locked in my sewing room all day. I got a lot done. Uh, so that felt good. Plus I finally had the mental and emotional energy to get it done as well. Um, I did also get my disappearing pinwheel blocks pieced. Um, they had been partly pieced. I'd had like each block kind of has three rows that then you put them together. I had them in the three row um, spot pretty much since January. They've been languishing on the side of my sewing table. So I finally, I decided last night he was still had a little bit further to go. I'm like, okay, you know, I've probably got about another hour of sewing time 
left to me, what can I get done? I decided to just knock out those blocks. So those are done and they're on my design wall now. Um, I do already have the border fabric for that. I may even have, yes, I did even buy myself the backing for that. So that's going to be ready to go. So it would be kind of nice to have both Scrappitude and the Disappearing Pinwheel quilts. And I would probably take them both to Long Armor because they're both just a little... I don't like doing big quilts. I don't like quilting big quilts on my domestic sewing machine. I know I can. I know the principles around it. I've done it. I just hate, hate, hate doing it. It's just so much shoulder strain and hauling that thing around. And I just don't like doing it. So big quilts, yeah, I tend to send them out. I am supporting somebody else's family. Um, so today, it's now morning. It's right around lunchtime, so I've still got some time left today. I've already gotten my errands done. I did get groceries this morning. <laughs> so um, I've got some time this afternoon. I can't decide yet whether I'm going to spend it getting the borders on Scrappitude, whether I'm going to piece the top for the disappearing pinwheel so I can get it off my design wall, or whether I'm going to finish my stupendous stitching, because I really feel like I'm only a couple of hours of solid focus to get that done. Um, so I may get that, I may decide to tackle that just for kind of a change um, of style rather than doing traditional piecing. I'll be doing something more arty um, and fun and just sort of, you know, whatever I feel like doing at the moment, I do it and I don't have to worry about points matching and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that might be my task for the afternoon. Have not decided yet. We'll see what happens. So that's my Sandy update. Like I said, I had quite a bit of one this month, which or this week, which feels really good to make that kind of progress. I also finished a couple of books, <laughs> which also feels good. I finished the audiobook of The Rosie Project, which I'd been finishing. That was very good. I did put my review on Goodreads. I enjoyed that, and the audio version of it was very good. The narrator was good. I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. Um, but it's an audible. I think there's only one narration version of it. Um, so I, I did enjoy that, and I finished a couple of books, uh, professional-type reading books that I had been working on, so I got those done last week. So um, I'm, I'm just feeling very accomplished at the moment. So here's my couple of reviews. I mentioned that there is a ruler I'm just mad at um, after Scrappitude. I, at first I kept thinking as I was working on this, what's wrong with me that I can't get these piece, these units to match up. What's wrong with me? I kept blaming myself until I realized the unit that was giving me the problems throughout the quilt was the one that I had used the June Taylor shape cut ruler to cut the pieces for. Um, the And I mentioned the fact earlier um, on one of my earlier episodes that I was thinking I wasn't liking this ruler very much. Um, but after now finishing the top completely and seeing the issues I was having, it was consistently the same problem throughout. It was consistently that unit, and it was consistently the pieces that I had used that ruler to cut. Um, and then what confirmed it for me was uh, after the funeral service, several members of our quilt guild had been at the funeral to support our friend. And so we were um, just kind of standing apart after the funeral and people were going through uh, the receiving line giving their condolences to our friend, we ended up sort of chatting off to the side and um, they were actually all, they had come from, we have, our guild has so days, um, once a month usually, and they're a Friday and a Saturday and people either go both days or one day or the other depending on what their schedule is. And so these folks had all come from the so day. And so they were telling me that um, most of three out of the four that were there um, were working on Scrappitude and putting it together. And so I mentioned something about, yeah, you know, at that point I hadn't finished mine yet, but I said, I'm, I'm struggling with this one unit that I've had. And one of the women turned to me and she said, did you use the shape cut ruler? Because she and I had talked about this ruler before. I said, yeah, it's that unit. And she goes, I've thrown mine out. I won't use it anymore. And she had exactly the same problem I had with it. And one other woman said, yeah, I won't use it anymore either because it's not accurate. Um, so I, I hate giving negative reviews for things because I always, you know, my mother raised me. <laughs> if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So I had kind of debated, do I just not say anything on this podcast? And because different people have different experiences, but I decided, you know what, I've got to warn you. And especially if you're a newer quilter, you are far more likely to blame yourself than you are the tool. And half the time, that's true. Half the time, it's that we're not using the tool correctly. But 
In this case, since there are several of us who have had the same experience with this ruler, I am going to warn you that the shape cut ruler, which goes by, it used to go by a different name, and now I think the shape cut is the new name. Oh, plus I also had a listener um, make a comment about it. And when I do listener feedback in the future, I'll, or later in this podcast, I'll probably get to her, um, who had the same problem. It is not as accurate as your other rulers. So just be aware of that. The shape cut ruler is the one that's got the slots in it. So you lay your fabric underneath it and you, you line it up along one line and then you run your uh, rotary cutter up through the slots and it's supposed to be a faster way to cut a lot of the same unit over and over again. It is a faster way to cut a lot of the same unit over and over again, but you're sacrificing accuracy. Now I had measured some of my two and a half inch squares. That's what I'd use this ruler to cut. Um, and they looked like they were two and a half inches. I had, I had measured them with a separate ruler after I'd already used this one. Um, but the, the thing is, rulers, rulers are tricky because you have to decide which edge of the line you're going to measure by. Are you measuring by the inside edge of the line or the outside edge of the line? And that's part of why they always say just use one brand of ruler throughout or use the same ruler throughout because if you switch back and forth to brands, you know, there's some that say, well, the measurements may not be exactly the same. Let's go with the idea that all of your rulers are actually accurate in their measurements, but the difference is going to be how thick those lines are. And it may not seem like a big difference, but it adds up two or three threads over multiple units across the front of a quilt top, you could end up being half an inch off. And I was pretty close to, as I said, my issues with things not matching, getting pushed off to the edge of the quilt in a couple of places, it was pretty close to half an inch. And unfortunately, because of the way my units were kind of measuring up, there was no way I could cut one unit shorter to make it match that. I would have had to refigure all of the setting triangles and everything. And I, I wasn't going to do that. I decided, you know what, it's not going to be obvious in the long run, or it's, you know, this thing's not going in a show. It's just going to be on a bed in the guest room that's okay. And I even joked with my husband when I was talking about the fact that these points didn't match and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, you know, why does this, it doesn't really matter. Anybody who sees this is going to love it. And I said, well, I just want, when this quilt gets handed down to my kids, kids, grandkids, you know, generations to come, I just don't want them to think this is my skill level. <laughs> and my husband said, Honey, by the time our grandkids' grandkids are around, they're going to be thrilled to have anything that was actually made by hand <laughs> by anyone. <laughs> they're not going to care whether the points match. <laughs> and he was painting this sort of post-apocalyptic future. <laughs> and, and I just had to chuckle. I was like, okay, you're right. Post-apocalypse, you know, <laughs> if they still have this quilt, they're going to be happy they have a quilt, let <laughs> whether the points match. So anyway, that's a, a digression. Um, back to the June Taylor shape cut ruler. What... What we decided it did when we were talking about it with our um, guild members is, first of all, again, you've got a difference in thickness of lines and how far something actually is. And if you're using that ruler to cut some units, but then other rulers to cut other units, um, you may have some differentiation there. And also, because of the way this thing is made, it's plexiglass and then it's got these slots cut into it. I think the slots might actually move a little bit, you know, again, it's not going to be visible, but there's going to be a little bit of variance in those slots as you're cutting. And so again, two or three threads off for each unit, it's going to add up over time. Um, one of my friends says, oh yeah, I still use mine, but then I go back through and I square everything up, you know, each individual unit. I'm like, well, how does that save time? That doesn't save time. I'd rather just cut it with one ruler once and know that it's square when I cut it. So that's my my again, I rarely give a negative review, but I am so PO'd at this ruler at this point um, that I'm I'm I might donate it to somebody. You know, my sister does different kinds of sewing. She's not a quilter. She does other kinds of sewing. Maybe she would find this useful, um, and that level of accuracy isn't as important and stuff she's doing. I don't know. Um, or I might trash it. I am not going to put it in my guild silent auction. That's often how I get rid of stuff that, you know, I no longer use, but I think somebody else might find useful. I am so ticked at this ruler. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not foisting that off on anybody else. If my sister doesn't want it, I'm going to trash it. Um, so that's the shape cut ruler. I didn't quite mean to go off quite that vehemently <laughs> about it. 
but you know I feel strongly. Um, okay, a short review. I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I've talked before about the Great Courses lecture series. These are, um, they're available through audio. They're also available, I believe, through iTunes U. Plus, there is a Great Courses app um, that you can download and watch them directly through that if you've got an iPad or a tablet. That was actually how I did this great course. Um, I've had great courses for years. I've had them on a variety of topics. The one I just finished was called The Science of Color. And um, I found it really interesting. It's one of their shorter lecture series. They have some that are, you know, several DVDs long full of lectures. This one, there was only, I believe, six lectures altogether. Um, I don't have it open in front of me, so I can't double check. So it was shorter, and each lecture is 30 minutes. That's standard for great courses. Every lecture um, session out of a series is going to be 30 minutes long. But like I said, some classes, some courses you get might have 30 lectures. Other ones might have 120. You know, it's a difference, um, of course. This one only had six-ish. Um, and each one was 30 inches, uh, 30 <laughs> Okay, I'm a quilter. 30 minutes long. Um, it didn't, I don't know if it gave me as much for quilting as I th was hoping it would, uh, but it was still really fascinating. It, it's, they, he started out with some really interesting linguistic studies that have been done on uh, how color, words for colors have developed in different cultures. They don't all start out at the same time. You know, there's um, if I recall, this was the very first lecture that I've now watched about two months ago, but um, if I recall, the first words for colors that develop in any uh, culture tend to be black and white, and then the next one that comes along, I believe, is red, and then after that, the other names for colors kind of come along over time, and they've actually done some studies that show that it might point to brain development and the actual ability to see different colors. Um, there are just some really interesting studies cited, and he describes them. Um, and, and I'm into linguistics. I very nearly did doctoral work in linguistics. I love that kind of stuff. Um, so that I was really into is the whole idea of how this language developed and the words for colors and what that might indicate about how people actually see their environment and that kind of thing. Um, but each, he goes through several colors, so he does a lesson on black and white, he does one on red, and then it's like, he does, and I don't remember what order they were in now, but yellow, blue, green, and, oh, what was it, maybe just, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I don't have it open in front of me, so don't quote me on this, you can go to the Great Courses website and look it up. Um, but each one, each color, he talks about, you know, how different colors change our perceptions of people and objects, our decision-making, our in, in, in intelligence. Um, there was one study cited about taking exams on different colored paper and what, you know, what happened with the results of the exams, uh, creative processes and so forth. So it was just really, really interesting. Um, will you learn how to put together colors in a quilt? No, that's not, I mean, he's not a quilter. That's not what the course is about. It's about color itself. And in fact, if anything, he talks more about, because he does do practical applications at the end of every one, but they tend to be um, for marketing, you know, marketing uh, people who are using colors for advertising or colors and packaging for what you wear. He talks about what you wear on interviews, what you wear on dates, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. He talks a little bit about home deck kind of thing. But he also talks about myths. There are some very common myths out there, and everyone he named, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard that. Well, they're not true. The studies don't hold them up. So I, I did find it really, really interesting. You can do it in either audio or video. Um, I would recommend the video. He does give some examples. It's not super video heavy. Um, you could get away with doing the audio version, but there's a couple of examples in there that it was really helpful to actually see what he was talking about. So that's my short review, The Science of Color, available through Great Courses. A couple of apps. Again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I've found recently a couple of apps in the last week. Well, one I've used for a while. Um, both of these, I've actually there's three apps altogether, but two are kind of twists on the same idea. Um, all of these I've got synced to my Fitbit, which is my activity tracker, sort of like a um, souped-up pedometer, but it has a lot more going on. And you've heard um, Sandy Caldwell of Quilt Cabana Corner talks about her Fitbit. Francis now has a Fitbit of Off Kilter Quilt. 
Um, Pam of Hip to be a Square has a Fitbit. I know I got mine because I believe it was um, Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner, I think, was talking about her Fitbit to start. So anyway, there's a bunch of us that have Fitbits now and, and a lot of our listeners and we have a community together on the Fitbit website um, where we cheer each other on or taunt one another once in a while, but always in fun. So I've got these synced to my Fitbit, but I believe all of them can also be synced to other activity monitors. They can often be synced to MyFitnessPal or, or um, Spark People. You know, there's a variety of kind of web-based health and activity things that you might be able to sync these to. So the first one is called FitBolt, B-O-L-T, all one word. Um, this one can either be done web-based or PC. Um, don't know about Mac. You'd have to look it up. I don't have a Mac. This one is really geared for us desk jockeys, people who spend most of our days sitting on our butt in front of a computer. It has stretches and exercised, exercises that are timed through the day. So like as you're working, you can set it up to say, okay, I want my notifications to come every 15 minutes, every half hour, every hour, that kind of thing. Um, and it pops up a little notification. Okay, it's time for you to do a stretch or an exercise, and then it gives you one to do. Now you've heard me talk about stretch clock in the past, which is a, a web-based um, thing that's the same idea. To a certain degree, I like Stretch Clock better because it actually has a video that shows you the stretch, whereas FitBolt, it's just written instructions, so you're just hoping you understand what they're trying to say. But there's pictures as, the, as well, so it hasn't been too bad. Um, the thing I do like about FitBolt better than Stretch Clock is that FitBolt then, when you sync it to your Fitbit or whatever else you Fitbit or whatever else you use, um, when you do the exercise, you click a button that says track it and it automatically tracks it as an activity in your Fitbit account or whatever other account you're using. And therefore it, it will count up, you know, whatever calories, which is usually something like, you know, six <laughs> calories. Woohoo. But it's still nice to be able to track. So that's FitBolt. Um, and again, that's great for those of us who are stuck at our computers all day. It just reminds us to get up and move and to do stretches and to take care of our bodies in that way. The other two apps are two versions of the same thing. One is called Earned It, E-A-R-N-E-D-I-T, all one word. And the second one is called Every Move, two words. Um, these are both, I have, I have them synced in a variety of places. So they're on my phone, they're on my iPad, they're on my um, computer, I believe. I don't think every move is on my computer. Uh, but in both of these, you earn points for whatever activity. So again, you sync it to your activity tracker, and it, they both sync to a variety of them. Um, and as you earn steps and activity points and all that kind of thing on your activity tracker, it clocks in at earned it in every move, and there's some sort of algorithm for, you know, so many steps per point on earned it and so many steps per point on every move or whatever. And then you can spend those points in earned it and every move. And both of them have things you can um, purchase, uh, you know, like material things you can purchase, or you can have them go to charity. And which is what I've been doing throughout is with earned it and every move is I've been earning points towards being able to then donate it to charity. And there's a variety of things. Um, don't ask me about it's efficacy in terms of, okay, does the money really go to charity? That kind of thing. I, I always look stuff up in Charity Navigator if I can, but these are new enough that there's not a lot of information out there. But I figure it's not killing me. You know, I'm, I'm getting my activity points and then I'm saying, okay, yes, please send water to Haiti um, and just hoping it happens. So I would like to um, suggest that you check those out if you've got some sort of activity tracker. Certainly, like I said, I've got a Fitbit, so all of you who have a Fitbit, you might want to check them out. Fitbolt earned it and every move. Okay, we're going to actually do some listener feedback this week. I haven't done it in forever, so let me pause for a minute and get myself set up to do the listener feedback. All right, we're going back in time a few weeks because it's been a while since I've done um, listener feedback. So I'm not going to be able to comment on everybody's, but I do appreciate that everybody has been commenting. I want to say thank you to Lauren who commented on my post about MLKSI. Yes, that was back in January, um, where I talked about doing the disappearing pinwheel. And she said she wanted to throw out all her other projects and um, start making disappearing pinwheels. And uh, she, I loved her wording. Lauren, you're very funny. She says, I have a couple of sets of 10-inch squares that came home with me after a serious retail accident. 
<laughs> I like that retail accident. Um, but she did say she was going to keep working at the stuff she's been working on, which is slowly resulting in cleared services. So Lauren, I'm just curious now that it's, you know, a couple of weeks later, have you cleared everything else off and have you started making disappearing pinwheels? It has been a lot of fun seeing how everybody's have been coming together as they've all been using different colors and different settings and different ways of laying them out and designing them. So that's been a lot of fun. Thank you to Gretchen and Carol and Diane and Mandela and Jennifer and Lori for your comments when I posted my pictures of Froggy Fella, my design study group homework on analogous colors. Um, and Jennifer said she loved seeing the Peruvian artifact, and that's what the frog was based on, was something I'd seen in a museum. And she says, I went there last year and loved the museum with all of them. Great use of your various stitches in the project, too. You must um, must be almost finished with that stitch Bible. And yes, Jennifer, I was actually finished with the stitch Bible. Um, and that was helpful to go through that process. So it is, you know, those of you who have not yet done a stitch Bible, it is tedious work. It's boring but it's really helpful. It makes you go through and see what all the uh, stitches are available to you on your machine. So again, thank you for your comment, um, Jennifer. And there's Laura again. Thank you, Laura. Commented on my Craftsy class review, Artisan Breads with Peter Reinhardt, and she says, I laughed when I read about your move to the country in the 70s. My parents did the same thing in 1972, only they bought a farm with 100 acres. My, farm, my family farm was only seven acres. Mother Earth News, The Farmer's Almanac, and The Blue Book of Putting Foods By were our family Bibles. We made our own apple cider, raised chickens, pigs, and beef, and canned pretty much every type of fruit and vegetable. A lot of work, but at least I learned how to do all of these things as a teenager. Um, so, Laura, yeah, I, I did not learn how to can. I did not get involved with my mom's canning. Um, I did, however, learn how to pluck a chicken, <laughs> which doesn't come up very often anymore for me. Um, and I hated doing, oh, God, I hated doing that, but we did it periodically. Um, yeah, we had chickens, geese, ducks, and rabbits, and one cow at a time, and a couple of ponies for a little while. Um, my dad always wanted sheep. My mom wouldn't go there. She was, <laughs> I think at that point, she was kind of overwhelmed with the animals. Uh, so that's what we had. Anyway, thank you to Quilton Jenny, Katie, Ms. Lottie, and Rose Ryan for your comments on my Craftsy Class Review Shoot It a Product Photography Primer. Um, Katie asked how Sam manages to squeeze so much personality into one animal. <laughs> I don't know if it's personality or doofusness, <laughs> but he is a great dog. We love Sam. Um, Spencer, we also love. She's just a little more neurotic <laughs> and she demands a little more love from us. Uh, thank you to Sherry and Jackie for your comments on my blog post, another Craftsy Class review, Spindling from Fluff to Stuff. Um, Jackie said, I make things look so inviting. And she also says, I get your impulse to go back to the simpler life. At one time, I made my own soap, ground my own wheat, made my own cheese. The list goes on. It is now simpler for me to stick to quilting while yearning for time for the others. Um, and Jackie, I agree. It is fun to be able to do that stuff, but it takes so much time. And, you know, there's a reason why time-saving machinery came into our lives, because people got tired of having to do all that stuff by hand. So now it's kind of for us a novelty. Um, back when they used to have to do it all the time, they'd probably be looking at us now saying, are you insane? Go use your washing machine. Uh, so anyway, Sherry also said, uh, there's a local spinning guild you might want to check out. And Sherry, yes, I am aware of that um, spinning guild. I've They are actually the ones that hosted the Fiber Festival that I went to, um, but it is on the other side, of, not only the other side of the city, it's like a 40 minute drive. So it would be quite a haul for me to get over there for their guild meetings. Um, and I'm just not quite sure I'm fully committed yet to wanting to join an actual spinning guild, but I am aware of them. Um, and I may get to that point of deciding that would be a way I want to spend one Saturday a month. I haven't decided to do that. Um, I have not heard of any, and there's no links on their website to spinning guilds on this side of town. But if you happen to hear anything, please do let me know, because it, it would be nice to connect with some folks who actually know what they're doing. 
Um, thank you to Charlotte for her uh, comment on episode 143 in which I build a cutting table for MLKSI. Um, and she's been listening to all of my podcasts over the last couple of months and is almost up to date. That is impressive. Um, she says, it's fun listening to you and other American podcasters talk about the weather as down here in New Zealand, it's a bright sun, uh, it's a bright blue summer day and the high will be 21 Celsius. I'd have to use my online um, temperature converter. And she says, the downside of that is my hubby will be urging me to help with painting window frames rather than quilt. Um, and I, I love the fact that podcasting brings us together from all around the world. I really enjoy that. And I was actually thinking about my um, Aussie and New Zealand friends a couple of days ago when I realized I was feeling like spring is kind of on its way here. We've still got a lot of snow and cold to get through before we get to spring, but I can feel it in me that spring is on its way. Um, and I was thinking, oh, that means it's fall for the Aussies and New Zealanders who have been talking about how hot it is, or it's starting to get to the end of summer and into the fall months. So hopefully you guys will be getting some cool and hopefully we'll be getting some warm. So thank you for your comment, um, Charlotte. Thank you also to uh, Tori and again, Quilt and Jenny and Allison, who was very excited to win the drawing and get the Quilt Show uh, gift certificate. And oh, here's the comment, Adele. Um, asked, was it the shape cut ruler you may have had trouble with? I've given up on using it because the acrylic between the cutting areas flexes so much when I am cutting that my strips come out wobbly and uneven. So that was the, like I said, I had had a listener comment who also had a problem with it. So basically, you know, I don't think the shape cut ruler is worth your money. Um, Debbie commented on episode 146 in which I did not have a PDSI. Uh, and she is cutting small Dresden plates for her granddaughter's birthday quilt. No real plan. I like to design as I go, and she will only be three years old, so will not complain. Um, and uh, she commented on several episodes kind of all in one and says, sorry for the rambly hodgepodge of a comment. And that's okay. You know, I really enjoyed all of your comments. Um, it was fun. And, and this is... Um, Debbie is the one that commented on Fitbit. <laughs> she and I had a conversation back and forth uh, about a frozen iguana, which <laughs> just cracks me up. I'm sorry. I feel badly for the poor iguana. He froze to death, but he froze to get death standing up, strangely enough. it just seemed, It's just such an odd image in my mind. <laughs> so thank you, Debbie. And uh, partly I also associate iguanas with places where you don't really get freezing weather. So that was just kind of an odd odd image for me. Um, thank you to Linda and Aaron and Jess, who also commented on that same episode. And Jess educated me. And I appreciate this. I'm not saying, you know, often we say, well, boy, you got schooled. No, it was not me. And she was just letting me know about where, when I was talking about yarn shops needing to sell um, uh, remnants or, you know, snippings or whatever, so for those of us who aren't knitters and don't want a whole skein, uh, she suggested that I could search for mill ends and often would find those online. Um, and she also says many Etsy sellers also sell mini skeins, which are usually between 10 and 50 yards of yarn. And so I looked up mini skeins on Etsy and I did find a bunch. Thank you, Jess. I never even knew those existed. And what I started thinking was, okay, I may still not want 10 to 50 yards of something, but if um, I have a couple of my friends who might be willing to say, okay, let's go in and buy four or five of these mini skeins and then just cut them into thirds for each of us to share. So that might be an option I can go. Um, and she said the, the mini skeins are often hand dyed and they, they are the ones I was finding were generally hand dyed. So um, thank you very much for that idea, Jess, and that suggestion. I did not know those existed. Again, not a yarn person just coming into this uh, fresh. So it was good to, to know that those existed and, and did find them. I have not looked yet for mill ends, so I will also look for that as well. So thank you. I always like learning something new. Uh, thank you to Tori and Connie and Joe. Uh, who all commented on my January update on Craftsy Class uh, progress. And Joe said, well, I thought I was bad for taking Craftsy Classes that I've not finished. I think you win. Um, <laughs> and I love saying that. I win. Um, but again, I've been making good progress, so I don't have as many on my list that I have not touched yet as I used to. Um, and 
Connie, Connie also said, yes, I too am a Craftsy addict, but I'm not interested in a 12-step program at this time. Um, and I agree, Craftsy, you know, there's a reason I've got so many Craftsy classes, because they do it well. And Tori said she is afraid to start with Craftsy, but does enjoy hearing me talk about my adventures with it. Tori, Tori, oh, Tori, you don't know what you're missing. Um, thank you to Jackie and my sister Diane on their comments on my blogs for uh, my Savannah vacation pics. And my sister Diane downloaded a couple of my pictures. She's been playing a lot on Spoonflower and designing fabric on Spoonflower. And in fact, she sent me for um, Christmas or my birthday. Now I don't remember how, it might've been my birthday. She had sent me some fat quarters based on some photos I had posted on my blog. And I, I've got them set aside. I've not figured out yet what I want to use with them, but they are very cool. So um, if you haven't played with Spoonflower, you might want to. My sister is having a grand old time with it. Thank you to AJ Dub, Pradima, who still hasn't told me how to pronounce your name if I'm doing it correctly. Uh, Tammy, uh, Jenny, Saskia. Charlotte, oh, I'm sorry, I have to come back to that one. That's the Charlotte who designed Scrapitude, and she was answering a question, so I'll come back to that. Holly, Colleen, oh, and Holly again. Um, Holly's comment posted twice for some reason. But uh, Holly asked, and these were all comments on my Scrapitude final reveal post. Um, Holly had asked in her question, does Charlotte plan fabrics or does she just grab the next one on the pile for the next element she's working on? Uh, Holly says, I'm intimidated by the thought of really pulling scraps randomly. This looks so good and I will be inspired to loosen up and try it if it could look as good as this. Charlotte says, Holly, I usually select fabrics randomly for the four patches, but I loosely select the components when I finally put them together. What I mean is that I put them together so that they are play pleasing to me, but I don't agonize over it. Some components look better together than others. Just have fun with it. So again, it's sort of a, a two-part process. When she does her four patches for Scrapitude, she just does them randomly. Now, I'm sure she does also, if she picks up two that are the same fabric, I'm sure she does not then put two of the same fabric in that four patch, but she doesn't worry about whether they go together beyond that. But then as she puts the units together, she may do some layout, but she does not agonize over it. And actually, that's what I did when I did mine, um, is I did try to lay out all of my units so I wouldn't have two of the same fabrics in a block, and then ended up, of course, when I was sewing them together, something gets switched somewhere, and I have a few blocks where I've got two of the same fabric, but they're not adjoining. So that's where I decided, I'm not going to sweat this. I'm not going to go back through and try to rework everything and pull out seams. And overall... I think it looks great. Um, you know, did I go through and periodically, like when I was doing my four patches or when I was doing my individual units, if I had two fabrics that I just absolutely hated next to each other, I would put one down and pick a different fabric. But for the most part, I tried not to overly control. And again, when you get the whole thing done, it's very different. When you're looking at each individual block, you may think, oh, I don't like that block. Oh, I don't like those two fabrics together. But when you get the whole thing done, you don't see it in the same way. So Holly, go for it. Just haul off and have fun. And yeah, you know, like with me with Easy Street, I don't love the way my Easy Street turned out, but boy, did I learn from it. And so now when I took what I learned from doing Easy Street to doing Scrapitude, I like Scrapitude a lot better because I made some different kinds of decisions in the process. So it's all a learning process. Holly, just have a good time. Um, thank you to Strange Angel and Jay and um, Carol again for your comments on my post about the thank you gifts for Charlotte. I have not been back to the post office yet to see if there's any new gifts there, but I will get there later this week. Um, Charlotte is just so touched. She was at my friend Pam's funeral and we were talking again afterwards, and she said to me, I am just so touched that, you know, people wanted to do that for me. So she's she's really been, oh, you guys are wonderful. You're wonderful. Uh, thank you to Jennifer for her um, comment on my blog, What's On for the Weekend, where I talked about what I all uh, everything I was going to get done for PADSI, almost none of which I did actually get done. Um, 
And thank you to Teresa for our whole email conversation. And of course, had a bunch of um, new subscribers to my blog. So thank you, everybody. And now I am all caught up on listener comments. Woohoo! So we can start all over again. And I am at 59 minutes recording right now. So I am going to end this episode. And like I said, I've actually got the color or music files that I can put on the beginning and the end. So this one will sound much more polished. Um, and hopefully next week I should be able to get another episode out on um, Sunday. Although, again, I don't know how much actual quilting I'm going to get done this week. Um, but hopefully I will have some today that I can talk about next week. So thank you again for listening. Thank you so much for commenting and talking to me. I always enjoy that. Thank you for those of you who are new listeners and are intrepid enough to go back and listen to four years worth of episodes. Uh, episodes, almost four years. Um, thank, you, thank you to those of you who have been around for those four years and everybody in between. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, um, and Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can join the uh, Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Flickr. Please do. Also remember there is a Scrappitude quilt on, uh, group on Flickr and a Disappearing Pinwheel group on Flickr. Uh, so you can post your pictures in all of those places. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links to pretty much all of that stuff on the show notes to this podcast and my blog at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.